Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast was created to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and remember who you are, light and love. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Again, that's heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 341. Today, you're going to learn how to find internal peace and the power of breath work and so many other golden nuggets. Make sure you listen all the way to the end. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Christian De La Huerta. Christian, welcome. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm delighted to be here and thank you for the work that you do on all our behalf. Thank you. We've already been chatting for quite a while, so I'm stoked to dive into today's lesson. And it's a small world. You currently live in Miami, but you used to do some um, work in Denver. So I'd love for you to give listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? I'm currently based in Miami. I lived in Northern California for 20 years. Um, And like you said, for probably 10 years, I went to Denver, um, Denver, Boulder, probably seven, eight times a year as I was, I was teaching at a yoga teacher training program there, teaching my work as part, as part of the year-long um, YTT. Um, for the last 30 years, I've been leading workshops and you know, personal transformation coach. I do retreats. Uh, I'm an author. Um, and it's all, all the work, no matter how it reveals itself, it's, it's all about uh, reconnecting us to our authentic selves um, to ultimately remembering who we, who we are essentially. And this last um, expression of my work um, is about how do we step into power, personal power in a way that is congruent with that essential nature. With, with, so in other words, stepping into power in a way that is not hierarchical, that doesn't require for us to, to push anybody down, to step on them in order for us to, to prop ourselves up and, and feel powerful. Well, because I think what we're conditioned to believe is that there's competition and you have to be achieving and efforting to get ahead of the guy. There's not going to be enough. Yes. But something that A Course in Miracle teaches is that we are all equal. There's equality completely. There's no hierarchy. But how do you shift that perception when that's what we see? That's what is, you know, the media tells us. Yeah. And, and, and so, so, you know, like the, the truth is that most of us have an ambivalent relationship to power. We want it, but we're afraid of it. And I think at the core of it, we fear that if we, that if we have it, we might abuse it and cause harm. And no wonder, like all we got to do is turn on the news or, or read the headlines on any given day and, and witness at least one abuse of power. And so then what good hearted person wants to abuse power or, you know, we've been conditioned power corrupts. Power is a bad, negative thing. And so what good-hearted person wants to be corrupted? And then add to the mix the fact that we, we hate confrontation. We fear conflict. We've been conditioned to think that the emotions are weakness. And so we end up giving our power away, right? Like our inherent 
power that that inside that that resides inside each one of us. Nobody can give it to us, and nobody can give it away. Only we can can can. I mean, nobody can take it away. Only we can give it away. And so what happens is we end up giving it away and settling, settling for, for the illusion of, of security or for a false sense of acceptance or for morsels of pseudo love. And, and it's not a good strategy. It's not an effective strategy. Well, that settling, that's what I have referred to time and time again as a boring ass box. <laughs> yeah, it's a boring as boring as box indeed. And so you shared with me that your spiritual journey began began 30 years ago. What happened for you that you kind of had your, maybe, would you call it an awakening or what led you down this path? Yeah, you know, it was, it was reaching one of those markers in life where, where my life was very enviable, I was making good money. I had a condo on the water uh, down here in Miami beach before I moved away Um you know, sports car, the Armani suits, sought after socially, professionally. And yet it seemed the more that I had, the more, the more that I was sought after, like I, I would remember thinking there has to be more. There's got to be more than this. And, and so I started a process of exploring um, in the spiritual metaphysical world. Like I was raised Catholic, um, but in my, you know, early 20s, realized that that religion didn't have enough space for me, didn't have enough room for me. So I kind of kicked the baby out with, um, you know, threw the baby out with the baptismal water. Um, and so at this point in my life, I started like looking again and I looked East um, and somehow, um, you know, I was looking at the mystical traditions of, of the West and the Eastern traditions and somehow came across breathwork. And very first time I did it, I knew I came out of it. I knew that I would never be the same. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, I want to offer you some additional resources. Check out my website, heatherhakes.com and take the free life assessment. This is a great tool to take inventory in life where you're feeling in alignment and abundant and where you're simply feeling stuck, stressed out, or as someone recently emailed me, completely ruining their life. I've also created a self-study course all about mindset and manifesting. Again, check out my website, heatherhakes.com and click on course. Finally, if you are ready to deep dive and really transform your life, I offer one-on-one coaching. I will teach you what has taken me years and tens of thousands of dollars to learn in which you can start implementing right now. To learn more and schedule your free strategy call, visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching. Now back to regular programming. And I knew that I had to do it again and, and that I had to give it, give it to others. I didn't care what it cost, where I had to go. I knew I had to, to do it again and learn how to do it, how to facilitate it. And I had been on a track to get a PhD in psychology. I come out of that tradition. My father was a psychiatrist. And when I discovered this, I jumped tracks. I never went for the PhD because it works so fast and heals so profoundly in so many levels. Well, and I think something Eckhart Tolle teaches is the power of the present moment. Is that the power in breath work? That's one way to look at it. It's, I've had a lot of people tell me over the years, you know, people say, you know, I've been sitting on a meditation cushion for 20 years, 30 years to have that moment of no mind that I got to in breath work. 
So that's one way that to explain what happens. Uh, another one is to, to say that, you know, that it pops us out of the ego mind, right? It, it, when we breathe in this way, we automatically, and, and it, you know, that begs a whole question of getting into what the ego is, which there's a lot of confusion about. But a simple metaphor is that if we put a baseball in the center of a stadium, that's the ego. Who we are is actually the stadium. And we've allowed this tiny, tiny part of who we are to think that it is all of who we are and to make really significant consequential choices from its very limited and always fear-based perspective. So I think one of the things that happens in breath work is like we pop out of, of the realm of the ego, the limitations of the ego, the, the fear of the ego. And suddenly we have an experience of ourselves in the realm of the stadium. And, and that's profoundly, profoundly healing and eye-opening and, and irreversible. So that was a phenomenal visual. I love that because I am so visual. And to see, yeah, to imagine this little small ball, but that's all we're, you know, another way to talk about it is we live from a very limited perspective, but that was such a great visual, this little ball and what we really are, this, we are the universe, right? But we think yes. we're, so question for you, um, on that note, so breath work that I know that I've been taught, especially through yoga teacher training is, you know, things like alternate nostril breathing and breath of fire. And what breath work are you talking about? Yeah. And those are all beautiful breathing practices, pranayama, as you know, um, the type of breath work that I'm talking about is, is also pranayama, but it's longer. Like you do it for, an hour, an hour and a half. And it was, it comes out of the yoga tradition, but it was discovered independently here in the West about 40 years ago um, in the Bay Area in California by a man by the name of Leonard Ward, who was in a hot tub playing with his breath and suddenly boom, had this amazing expanded state of awareness. Uh, so there's now there's a bunch of different modalities. Breathwork is sort of like an umbrella term. There's some modalities that you do it for longer, like three, four hours even, uh, the, the, the one that I practice, it's, it's you know, do, you do it for an hour, an hour and a half. And Heather, just amazing things happen. It's like, not only does it heal at every imaginable level that, you know, like emotionally, I don't know anything more effective in healing past trauma. Uh, and I'm talking serious um, traumatic stuff of people that, I've, that I work with and have worked with um, mentally, spiritually, it even heals physically. And I know that sounds too good to be true to my logical scientific mind. That's still after 30 years of talking about it, it still sounds too good to be true. Um, but I can't argue with results. It works. And I've witnessed too many healings happen to, to question it. Well, that's the baseball, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So question, when we're talking about breath work, how are you connecting mind with body? Yeah, and that's a great that's a great um, phrase because I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh who says that the breath is what connects heaven and earth. Um, so you know, one way that we can talk about it, they, they haven't really done the scientific studies like they have with meditation or even with with yoga as to what's happening in the body, in the brain when we're when we're doing these practices. There's so much research on meditation. Breathwork isn't there yet. From a psycho spiritual perspective, when we breathe in the circular connected manner what's happening is we're flooding the body with life force with prana chi key with the intelligence of life 
which courses through the meridians of the body, the energy channels, which now we do have scientific evidence for as of last year or the year before, and until, it, until that energy hits a block, an energetic block, and it begins to dissolve it. What the energy blocks are, are places where we have stored past trauma or suppressed emotions. Because what used to be spiritual teaching, that everything is energy, now we know from physics, from quantum physics, that it's true. Everything is energy, including the body, including the emotions. So just because we weren't able um, to, to feel something and to own that, that emotion and to give it voice, you know, how many times have we suppressed our emotions out of fear? Like if we were like, like if we really said something we, we feared for the survival of our relationships or, or whatever. But the, so every time we stuff and we swallow those emotions, every time we say yes, but inside we feel no, and we swallow it, that doesn't go away. Right, that's that stays in the tissues of the body, and after what happens is after years and decades and a lifetime of suppressing that, we walk around with layers on, upon layers upon layers of emotional crap, and then here we are trying to have a relationship in the present. It's all getting filtered through that lifetime of accumulated emotional crap. I, it boggles my mind that any relationship can work because we haven't been taught how to hold them, how to approach them, how to contextualize them. And we sure haven't been told how to clear ourselves and this of, of that emotional crap. And the simple breathing practice does it quickly and effectively. Well, and something I've heard tons is that any dis-ease in the body, a lot of times is trapped emotion. And there's tons of modalities, right? There's EFT yes. tapping, there's, but yeah, if you think about it, if you have chronic pain in my knee, oh, so I have a book by Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life. she's the og and well to me but i go to her book when i'm having like a shoulder issue or in my knee or my foot and and her she does talk about trapped emotions and a new affirmation and to release it and it is crazy i think that is the power of the mind but even since you kind of touched on quantum physics are you familiar with dispenza sure the joe dispenza yeah so I went to his week-long retreat and his breathing techniques, I mean, those are like freaking another world, but that's what he ta- calls them energy centers. Yogis call them chakras, yeah, yeah. but these different points in our body where literally emotions can be trapped a lot of times is sacral is that our sexual energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're absolutely right about the physical consequences. Like that emotion either, what happens is we stuff it and we stuff it and then and we stuff it again. And then the next unfortunate person comes and rubs us the wrong way and we explode, right? All that suppressed energy comes out inappropriately, ungracefully, and we bring harm to our relationships. And then we have to salvage them if we can, or it's gonna come out one way or another. Energy cannot be destroyed also from physics, right? So, it, so it's either gonna sh- express inappropriately or it's gonna start showing up as bodily, bodily symptoms. Like you're talking about. So can you give an example or walk us through a breathing technique? Is it just, I mean, here's what I'm trying to imagine. If I'm just sitting here in a meditative state and I'm just naturally breathing, or is it that I'm like deep inhale and full exhale? And like, what kind of exercises are you working through for 60 to 90 minutes? Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a deep and powerful connected circular and connected breath. This one is done in and out the mouth. Um, And I wouldn't recommend just anybody doing it, even though the the technique of it is simple. It's actually really powerful. 
um, and it's cathartic. So you, you never really know what's going to come out. So it, eventually you can be taught how to do it yourself. Um, but in the first, you know, I would say five, 10 sessions, I, I would highly recommend doing it with somebody who's trained. Um, like, like, let me put it this way. I, I, in my apprentices, the people that I've been training with me to do, um, to, to know how to do breathwork, how to offer it, they have a lot of different requirements, you know, like assist at so many sessions, at so many retreats, at take so many private clients on, because it's sort of like learn as you do. Um, kind of like an apprenticeship in the old days, that when you learn with somebody who, who's showing you how to do it as you're doing it. Nine out of 10, what they resist, what they struggle with is the self-guided sessions, because it's just you and your breath. And for most of us, that can be scary. Um, because of what I'm so it's so it's good to have initially to have somebody there holding space sitting with you um, what you know holding space and, and taking care of you so that so that the ego mind we're talking about the little baseball can feel relaxed enough to like to open up and let go of all the stress and the trauma that has been and, and the repressed emotion that it's been holding on to making way for healing to happen well, what that makes me think is because it's going to be a level of discomfort, right? Because you don't want to, that uncertainty of what it's going to feel like. So if you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to stay in your comfort zone of like not pushing past that wall just to, right. for example, so I did ayahuasca a year ago. For somebody new to ayahuasca, you can't just go like to a store. Well, you can't just go to a store, but you know what I mean? You can't just go get the tools and the equipment and do it on your own you need to be guided with the shamans and the ceremony. And yes, I mean, that was a wild experience, but also the message I got from it was the first night. It was so amazing. Once I, once I asked for help, I surrendered, I asked for help in this whole, um, I explained it in another one, but the message I got was that all suffering is self-imposed. Yeah. And I love yeah. that. And something you shared with me before we start recording is, can we talk about this whole surrendering? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, it's a word that a lot of people struggle with because you know we think that to surrender is to throw in the white tap, the, the white towel, right? Like we're giving up our, our power, we're giving up our agency. Um, when counterintuitively, when we're surrendering, it's actually incredibly empowering. And what my experience of it is, is it's like we give up right what, what we are giving up is the identity of the baseball so that we can step into and live in the realm of the stadium mm. which is ruled by it's almost like different laws of physics where, where for lack of another word miracles and magic are, are the common law you know they're commonplace um and it's freedom, <laughs> it's freedom, it's, it's freedom. It's sort of like a collaborative, rather, so rather like so many of us have a, like, an, like a, an adversarial relationship with life. You know, like what, what life did to me, if it only hadn't been for this or that, then I would be fine and I would be happy. What, what happens when we step into this realm, when we surrender is it actually becomes a collaborative effort. It becomes a, a a conversation, a dance with life, with the universe, with spirit, what it, however you hold that, however you connect to that. So a word you used was identity. And I believe in synchronicities, right? This isn't just happening, but uh, I've tuned into Alan Cohen lately. 
And literally a YouTube video I was listening this morning was all about identity and everybody's, well, most people are walking around. I am Heather. I am a female. I am 35. I am, a, I'm, this isn't me, but going on. I am, you know, a CEO or I am a mom or I am. So everybody's walking around with this very limited identity, this baseball yes. To surrender all of that for somebody to let go of their name and their gender and their ethnicity and their culture. And, but for me, it feels like a, an unlayering. And then you're going to be like, what am I? <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's interesting about, but you just pointed to that the word ego in Latin literally means I am. So, so that's what the ego is, is that, that sense of identity. You know, Ken Wilbur, who lives up the street from you in Boulder, talks about how humanity hasn't always had a sense of self. Like if we think about the Latin name for humans, homo sapiens sapiens, one way that we can think about that or translate it is humans who know that we know, right? So we have that ability to reflect back upon ourselves. And that's what makes us so, so smart. So, so the ego we could say is, is that, that sense of personality. I'm Christian, that's Heather. Huge leap in, in consciousness in terms of evolution. As far as we know, we're the only species that has a sense of self. Um, some theories that, that, that the higher primates, the, the elephants, the dolphins, and the whales have a sense of who they are, but we don't really know. Right? We're, we're kind of making some interpretations and, and, and assumptions. We know that we have a sense of self, which is both a blessing and a huge leap in evolution and a curse. Right. Because once we evolve that sense of separate identity, before that, Wilbur writes about, we were at one with everything, at one with creation, like the rest of the critters on the planet. Like, and so when the ego comes in and we have that, that individual sense of who we are, that's where the, the source of all our suffering, right? So that now we can have loneliness. Now we can have abandonment issues. Uh, now we can feel rejected, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so what we're going for is not getting rid of the ego, right? Because it's not a bad thing inherently. Um, but can we, so what we're going for is like healing it so that we're not, no longer reacting, coming from a, from a place of, of old wounds and stuff that happened when we were five or 10 or 15 that never got, that we never worked through. Uh, and, or, or, or reacting from the ego's defensiveness and need to be right um, and, all the, and all its other machinations and shenanigans. And, and what, so what we're going is healing it so that we can put down all, all its weapons of defense um, and protection and, and putting it, taking it out of its place. The ego thinks that it's kind of usurped the place of the sun. And this is from the Course of Miracles. Um, so, so it thinks that it is the sun. And what we're actually doing is like, hey, 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 no, like you're, you don't get to be the sun. You don't get to make that choice. And so we put it back in place in orbit around and in service to the sun or the higher self or, or stadium nature, whatever you want to call it, the soul, whatever you want to call that. Here's a lighthearted way to say it is like, um, you know, this is my world. You're just living in it. So the ego is self-absorbed. It is selfish. It is all about self and what yes. the course teaches. And again, you know, correct me or add to it that we, we simply had 
this tiny mad idea that we wanted to be separate from the all-knowing, the universe, to create this identity, this self. But the moment we, well, it's not the moment. Well, supposedly the holy instant. But we have free will to choose to forgive that tiny mad idea to connect back with source. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think once we get to that place, and I think it's we disidentify with the baseball and re-identify with the stadium. Mm. But it doesn't mean that, this, that the baseball necessarily goes away. Like you still get to be, like I still get to be Christian. You still get to be Heather, but we're just not stuck in its, in its tiny little baseball look, you know, like baseball eyes looking all stuck in fear. Uh, and abandon and you can actually have a sense of freedom and feel connect connection yeah. as you're having a sense of identity of personal identity so you, you kind of come in and out of that um and and you know, i guess the word that comes from comes up for me again is just freedom um whereas whereas to me the ego is just it's a, it's a self-made prison of limitation and fear so something i was sharing with my mom actually yesterday was i'm a very huggy person. I love touching. I've been told for ages that I give the best hugs because I go and I squeeze like these are real. But again, the course teaches that we are not these ego identities. We are not 8 billion different people on earth that we are all connected, you and me and my neighbor and that person that annoys me and that family member that frustrates me if we are all one. And if I can just remember the light in them. And so I told her, I was like, mom, I kind of have this desire just to go around and just you know, that, have you seen the t-shirt free hugs? Yeah, 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 sure. I just want to go around and love on everybody. And that's going to be really fearful, scary, and weird to a lot of people (laughs) because it's like, who are you? And I need space. I need separation. I live in my bubble, but that's, can you imagine if all of us were walking around this giddy light love hugging one another? How can I help you? Let me, let me carry your back. What this world would be like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's beautiful and it's radical, right? Because if we are all interconnected and if we're all one, that that means that, yes, Gandhi and Mother Teresa are in here, but so is Hitler and so is Castro, right? And so is everybody else. Trump. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was gonna stay away from that one <laughs> to yeah. to be more politically neutral because it's so, such a time of divisiveness. But yes, yeah. but yes, absolutely. And by the way, I think one of the ways in, in which Trump has served us to connect it back to the ego, he has shown us like to the max what the ego is like, right? right. And, and and how it's never enough. How the ego is insatiable. Like you could have all the money, all the power in the world and still be freaking miserable and so thin skinned that you, that your sense of self depends on what other, what, what a tweet says about you. And, and so to me, he's like, just like blown that up for everybody to see. It's like, Oh, interesting. If, or, if, I'm, if, if I'm not going to base who I am on that, on money and fame, then who am I? The infamous quote from Jim Carrey, he says he wishes everybody could have a million dollars in fame to help you realize that it's not what will make you happy. 
Exactly. Yeah. I think we could go on tangents about that forever. <laughs> exactly. I would love for you to share. Um, I, I can see behind you, but you recently published a book. What is this book about? Uh, yeah, Awakening the Solo Powers. It's, it's the first of a series of three. The series is titled Calling All Heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, so what does it mean to live heroically in the 21st century? Because that's what we're just talking about. The way that we're talking about living and, and the way of, of freeing ourselves from the ego's defensive um, and self-righteous nature is it's not easy work it's hard work um, and and going within you know talk, going, connecting back to breath we're going within looking at ourselves looking at our, our our triggers remembering stuff that happened when we were kids that wasn't fun to remember that wasn't a pleasurable ex experience it's nothing short of heroic and it's so worthwhile because as we clear that stuff, then we can be free and we can step into our power. Um, but it's really nothing short of heroic, the, the type of inner work that we're talking about. Um, so this first book is about power. Like how do we step into power in a way that is congruent with our essential nature, with, our, with our, the goodness of our hearts? And so one of the, as I was talking about earlier, one of the ways that we reconcile this ambivalence about power is that we realize like, wait a minute, there's different kinds of power. So one is worldly power or egoic power, the, the way that the world or the ego relate to power, which like we were just talking about is associated with money or fame or people who have some kind of hierarchy on some, you know, high place on a hierarchy, whether it's a corporate ladder or some kind of institution. Uh, but the thing about all those kinds of powers that they're out, outside of us. So here today, gone tomorrow, as many of us are discovering through the pandemic, right? Jobs that were so much a part of our identity is like, poof, they're gone. Yeah. So then who am I if I'm not my job? Um, it, so it's, it's a great service, right? And it's not fun. But if we approach these experiences consciously, they're incredibly illuminating and liberating. Um, whereas the other kind of power that, that, you know, that I call spiritual power or soulful power is the kind of power that's inside each of us that nobody can give to us. Nobody can give it away. And it's humble, right? It's, it doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. And, it, and to go back to something else that you were talking about, it, it doesn't come from a place of lack or, or zero sum. So like worldly power, things that you're having power takes away from mine. So then I've got to like hold on to my power and make sure that you don't have it. But it's based on a, on a fallacy that there's a limited amount of it or that you're having power threatens me. Why should it? Yeah. Like if I'm in my power, it's like, I got this. Um, no matter what, like I got this. Um, no matter what curveballs life is throwing my well, my ways, like I got this. And I can figure out how to navigate any situation in life when we're coming from that place. The other kind of power is that it's the humble power of like, think of like of a Gandhi or, or Gandalf, if you're into the Lord of the Rings, we were talking about Disney movies earlier, you and I, before we got on the, we, before we started recording. So, you know, in their simple monastic robes, sandaled feet, you would never know how much power they hold until it's necessary. And then watch out, right? Like, like Gandhi brought the British empire to its knees when it was at its highest point globally, without ever shooting a gun or, or landing a single punch. Like talk about power. 
question for you. Well, you kind of touched on it and words that I use that this is about being intentional. This is daily mindset work. You, and I call it just building a mindset muscle. You have to consciously be focused on this. And, and I guess it comes down to choice. That's yes. what I think. But here's my question for you, especially when we get into quantum physics. So not to get too technical, but technically the past is gone. So why in a traditional psychotherapy is the whole to go back, to revisit the past, to revisit those past traumas when the only true moment is right now, tomorrow's not a thing. So if in this linear time versus the vertical different dimensions, why is there that focus to, we got to go revisit, we got to go heal that. Yeah, it's, it's because we haven't dealt with it you know we try to sweep it under the rug so that's why those energies get trapped in the tissues so it's not to revisit it for the hell of revisiting it because i know some people who, who especially have been doing maybe talk therapy with, with with all due respect in the right hands can be helpful and we all know that you can sit on somebody's couch for 5 10 20 30 years repeating the same old crap and nothing happens mm-hmm. right? because because that trauma no longer lives up here. It's, it's now been somaticized and lives in the body and the tissues. So that's the benefit of being willing to, to go through breath work and because it, it's actually getting cleared, released, right? At, at the cellular level. At, so, so it's not just for the heck of it. Um, and in terms of your, you know, your, the, the physics part of it, you know, if they tell us that, don't ask me to explain it, but time and space are illusions. So, so it's all happening here. I know this stuff. It really, for me, it's mind blowing. Like I'm very interested and I listen to it time and time again to start to understand it. But I mean this, but again, back to that baseball, that little baseball cannot comprehend exactly the universal infinite unlimited power that we are. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So, so I can reassure your, your, your viewers that it's not going back to the past in vain. It's actually worth it. And, and, and at that level, when we're healing it at the cellular body level, it does have permanent effects. Well, okay. So I just have to give this example only because I, I saw it at a dispensa week long retreat. That's what he shares is this whole breath work and this meditation and moving through the energy centers. And people have literally, you know, released and gotten rid of cancer and ulcers and tumors and all of these dis-ease in the body by healing yes. the mind. Yes, yes. So yeah, this is not woo woo shit. This is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not, you know, it's not. Like stuff that I've seen is just like, there's no rational explanation. I can't tell you what's happening, how it can heal physically, yeah. um, except for this. Here's what, here's the part of it that makes sense to me. And it's a psycho-spiritual interpretation or understanding. When we think of the word um, in, in many languages and in most spiritual traditions, the same word, one word can mean spirit or breath. So think of, of pneuma, right? In ancient Greek, it was with lung and soul. Or from the Latin spirare, we, we get both respiration and inspiration or expiration. So there's that connection between the spirit and the breath. And, you know, like, like the text, like the sacred text tells us, and God breathed, breathed life into them. The breath is our most loyal 
our most faithful companion on this journey of embodiment. So that's the way that I ultimately understand how this practice can be so profoundly healing and ecstatic. So you can have some of the most amazing, blissful experiences of oneness. Like I often hear from people like you were talking about ayahuasca, people will often tell me, I, I got to the same place using the breath that I did during my sacred medicine journey. Great. Well, and that's the power. Again, there's nothing outside of us. We don't need drugs and hallucinogens and whatever to get that, that sacred space when you're literally proving you can do it through breath. What I love about that, and this is something my mom says often, apparently I'm talking about my mom today, um, that the mind isn't breathing us. It is the life force that's breathing us. Yes. That's yes. so powerful to realize that. And, and we, we can think about that about something breathing us, right? But because thankfully we don't have to remember to do it uh, because a lot of us would, would forget. <laughs> uh, um, when you're doing breath work, that is something that, that can become just so real that there is something breathing us. That it, that, and that's one of the really beautiful and profound and humbling and ecstatic experiences. Question for you since we've talked a lot about breath work and surrendering and many different things, what is one key takeaway you want listeners to get? Well, I think, I think we've said it, but, but it's, it's that the power is within. Mm. It's all within. I'm not dogmatic about many things or maybe two or three things that I can think of, but one of them is going within. Like if you want to be free, if you, if you want to have a life that is filled with meaning and purpose, if you want to have relationships that have a chance at working, there's no way around it. Like you got to go within, you got to face yourself. And it's, it's not easy. It's, it's heroic yeah. and it's so worthwhile, right? Because it's, it's, it's almost cliche to say that if you really want somebody, if you really want to love and to be in love, you got to, and to receive love, you got to love yourself. And, and the only way we're going to do that is by knowing ourselves. And the only way to do that is by going within. So I don't see a way around it. If, if you can, tell me, <laughs> you know, because I'm not really dogmatic about it. It's like, I just don't see a way around it. So wait a minute. <laughs> Freedom isn't in my next purchase or relationship or travel or diet fad or. You know it. You know it. Yeah, that's. That's so powerful and hundred percent true. You know it. I'd love to wrap up the interview and I have a couple of rapid fire questions for you. All right. What is a quote or motto that you live by? Huh? Good question. You know, one of my, I, one of my favorite quotes and I'm not, I'm not going to do it justice, but it's, it's, um, it's from a poem by um, Hafiz and it's uh, called God and drag. And, and the last part of it, it's, he, he goes, sweetheart, oh, wait a minute, how does he go? Oh, you're, an, you're a divine elephant with amnesia, trying to live in an ant hole. Like, wow, you're a divine elephant with amnesia, trying to live in an ant hole. Sweetheart, oh, sweetheart, you are God in drag. Wow, and that's a great, another visual, we're Elephant yeah. trying to live in an ant hole. <laughs> Is that amazing? Stop doing that. Go within. Amazing. Amazing. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Hmm. 
I just, I'm not reading anything right now because I've just finished writing this book. And um, so I read a bunch of books for that research. Um, book I highly recommend, easy to read. The Universe is a Green Dragon. Um, and it's kind of in, it's written by a cosmologist, by a physicist, uh, Brian Swim, who teaches at the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco. And I, you know, I, I know him, I've met him. Um, and it's a great little book. And what he does is he applies some of the principles that govern the cosmos, the stars, to the human experience. Because much to the surprise of some humans, um, we are, we are part of the cosmos, right? We are part of nature. So we're ruled by the same exact principles that, that govern the stars. So for example, he talks about cosmic generosity. And he talks about how when a supernova gives, gives up its form, right? Gives up its life, what happens, you know, out of that ultimate act of generosity, suns and moons and planet life comes to be, life occurs. And he talks about how 99.999% of the atoms in our body are exactly the stuff, the atoms that are found in the stars. So that we can literally, not poetically, not new agely, say that we are star beings, that we are made of star stuff. And so then this is me, like taking, running a little bit longer with his teachings. So that means that we have that, that cosmic generosity hardwired into us. And so I think about, you know, because I, I love to speak and, and teach about bridging the gap between sexuality and spirituality. Um, and so I talk about how, what if we approached lovemaking with that sense of cosmic generosity. So rather than trying to get off, um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but what if we approached it, not in a doormatty way, but in, in that sense of giving ourselves away um, in, in that act of lovemaking. And I know for me, you know, before I knew breathwork, before I knew meditation, the only time I could get that crazy monkey mind, that ego mind to stop was in the act of lovemaking. That's when I forgot. Right, that's when I could get lost in 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 that experience. Um, so if we approach it, and I know since you since you're a yoga teacher, you'll you'll really appreciate this. So namaste, right? The word that that we kind of overuse because we don't we use it without really feeling what it means. Like you know, so so if if we really live by the sacred of me, the the God in me, the light in me, that which is the love in me, the, that which is highest and best in me, sees and recognizes and, and bows to and makes love to or love with that in you. It's like, wow, now we're talking. 100%. Now we're talking. Final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh, God. I, <laughs> the, the, just the, the, I was thinking the other day, well, the, if I could only know, right, the, the, the lost power of youth, uh, that if we, could, if we could only know then what, I, what, what we know now. Um, I, think, I think it's to be patient and, and to, if I could impart the self-love, the understanding, um, knowing who I am to the younger me, it's like, oh my God, what, all the pain I would have saved myself. And if I could have given my younger self advice, it's like, go breathe. Like, go find somebody and do breath work quickly. Stop. Yes. Well, now you can teach the younger generations. Yeah. 
Christian, yeah. thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Heather. I loved our conversation. Um, you asked me stuff that nobody else has in, in all these podcast interviews. So I really appreciate you and um, appreciate all you do on all our behalf. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. I'd love to connect with you on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes or subscribe to my YouTube channel, Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.